Welcome to another edition of the Puro Pinche Primos. Hola, primo, primas. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. I'm your primo, Luis Velasquez. That's your primo, Christopher Costello. What is going on, primo? How's your week been? Yay, yay. All good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just ready for the Final Four. I'm, I'm ready to, like, dive in and watch these games. We were just talking, like, 30 seconds ago, but, like, South Carolina and Iowa. That, that is, game, kind of the game of all of these that are left. Like, these yeah. last four games that are left in both the men's and women's, this is the game to watch. Yeah, um, absolutely. Friday night. Hopefully, the, this episode will be out on Friday. And, and you're listening. That game, to me, will be uh, the game of at least, like, the last three or four years. Like, the best game, as far as anticipation goes, men and women's side. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like it feels like an NBA matchup. Like you got like a star in like Caitlin Clark that you're just like, I just want to see this person. This is a Steph Curry. I want to see Steph Curry. Yeah, absolutely. And then you crazy South Carolina team. Yeah, South Carolina who hasn't lost a game yet all season. They've been dominant. Uh, Leah Boston was last year's uh, women college women's basketball player of the year. This year is going to be Caitlin Clark. Like, no doubt, bro. She just put 40, 12, and 10 was her triple-double this last game. 40. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever seen that from an individual, like, WNBA player or, like, college player ever. Like, those, we're talking out-of-this-world talent and numbers, but she does everything, right? Like, I clearly in those numbers. Like, she affects the game in and out. Just watching her, and I, I haven't even watched her as often as I wish I could have, but watching her in games, it's just clear that she is at this other level. She's at a professional level. Like, this is the future of WNBA basketball. This is, you know, you, you talked about Boston as well. Are there any other women that you see are in the same kind of star category, future potential WNBA talent as you see these two? Well, Aaliyah Boston is going to be elite in WNBA. Uh, like I said, she won it last year. Um, I mean, South Carolina is literally like riding her coattail uh, on her way to, uh, you know, on her way to probably most likely a back-to-back championship, right? Um, I, I wish Paige Buchers did not get hurt and has not been hurt for the past year and a half. Like, I, I would love to have seen battles between Paige Buchers and... And Caitlin Clark, like those would have been epic. Hopefully, she gets uh, gets healthy uh, in in the WNBA. She's gonna get her like her potential is 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 up high, right? So I think even though she's injured, she's gonna get drafted really high um, if if she comes out this year to the WNBA. Um, if not, you know, hopefully she comes back and uh, she can have one good year, one healthy year at a. Uh, at UConn, um, but yeah, I mean, like this, this man, bro. You know, what? I I just I just heard um, the this game, the last game uh, with Caitlin Clark versus Louisville. Uh, Louisville has a star too. I can't remember her name right now, but uh, they were going back at it. that. The ratings on that game alone is the high is higher rating than any. ESPN NBA game uh, for the for this past season. 
What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure that you, I'm surprised that you actually didn't remember her name, Haley Van Lith, right? But yeah, that's the only it. reason I'm surprised is because of uh, your love for, for Texas and the University of Texas and the way that she got into it in that post-game. Uh, <laughs> Don't call me, call me bitch one more time. That's a, yeah. That's the classic, call me bitch one more time. Absolutely. Listen, listen, I'm, we talked we talk last year, I mean, last week about, you know, being able to talk crap during games. I'm all for it. If she calls you a bitch and in between, you know, it, it, during basketball, while basketball being played, listen, don't play like one, right? Let's just, let's go, right? So, I'm all, I'll, even if she was, she was talking trash on my team, uh, kind of knew they were going to take an L on that game going into it. But, yeah, no, she was a baller, too. Um, but, man, the women's game, I would, say, I would say, like, the last two years, the last two tournaments, like, to me, the women's game has been, so much more interesting and fun to watch than, than the men's game. Yeah, I think that that's the, the you know the the argument of uh, Coach Staley of South Carolina is like if you invest into the women's game, you're going to get a better product, right? And we're seeing just like high caliber games. I feel like in the women's game, it's a lot cleaner of a game than in the men's game. We we're just talking about you know we'll get into that in a second, but we we're just talking about the men's game and how much. I, I get back into Texas again, but like how sloppy of a game the men's game can be. And there's just a lot of turnovers. It's, I feel like watching the men's game is really tough for me because you can tell what they're trying to do in all their sets. Right. And they're going to not deviate from that. And that's probably a testament to like good coaching. And yet at the same time, it's like these guys almost don't know how to like freely adjust and have enough instinct to not make bad plays. And, and you need that down the stretch. And that's usually where you can tell, like, the, the decent team from the great teams is, like, how they execute going down the stretch and at the end of games. Yeah, so I think for me, like, I think a reason that I, I can enjoy women's basketball a, a lot more than a lot of other people that I talk to is because I don't, like, I, I, I go into watching women's basketball knowing I'm watching women's basketball, right? A lot of people are like, oh, well, it ain't the NBA. And I was like, yeah, it's not the NBA. Like, I'm not watching it with with glasses that I'm watching the NBA, right? Like, I'm yeah, watching like, it. I don't want to look at the dunk contest. Right, right. I know I'm going into it and realizing it's not. Like, I'm going to enjoy women's basketball, right? And then same thing with, with college basketball. Like, I know you got to, like, these kids are still, a lot of them 18, you know, to 20. There's some old ones out there. There's a dude playing for, uh, who was it, Gonzaga? I love the way you laughed at that. Yeah, the dude was like 27 years old. I was like, what is he doing there? And he's like, he, do, he just doesn't want to go. <laughs> I feel like you, if you're going to do that, you better ball out. Like, you better yeah, be destroyed. He was, he was, he was the, balling, but he was like, man, you're playing people 9, 10 years younger than you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really weird. But yeah, but that's it's like a grad student, like teacher's assistant type of. <laughs> Exactly. Like, <laughs> Bro, did you see the story earlier this year where the uh, JV basketball coach suited up for the JV yeah, basketball team? Women's ba- the girls' basketball team? I, I mean, how? What? How does that happen? Like, not how does that happen. How do you choose to do that? Yeah. Like, what is wrong with that? And person? not only, not only she, <laughs> did she choose to do yeah. middle school. Yeah, not only was she choosing to do that, like she was like celebrating, like every time she balled on. I'm like, 
Yeah, you're, you're balling on kids and you're beating your chest. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, everybody was in on it, though. Like, they're, I mean, that was just crazy. Anyway, anyways. Uh, <laughs> I used to work at a, a boys and girls club. And I remember one time we did, like, a staff versus student game. Mm-hmm. And I was swatting everything. <laughs> All these little, like, middle school, early high school kids, I was swatting everything. And, and for people that don't know, because, like, we're, you know, like, we're, we're airing this is like i'm like six two so like six two to like a middle school kid is a, is a monster and <laughs> i remember like taking out all my frustration from these little kids talking back to me i'm being like i'm not gonna even like like post you up or nothing and do nothing crazy like that because that would just be ridiculous but i'm gonna swat everything that's around me and i don't regret it i enjoyed it <laughs> I mean that's all. That's kind of going expected, right? Like these kids were not expecting to go up against a, a coach when they went into yeah. that game, right? It was all like, "Give my frustration." This is crazy because this is like an official game that this was happening. Yeah, yeah, it was an official, official game. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think it was even like a playoff game or something. It was just like I don't know. Anyways, anyways, the uh, the final four this year, the this the whole tournament has been crazy. When you, especially when you talk about the men's side, like there is not a one. This is the first time ever there's not a one seed, a two seed, or a three seed in the final four. You've got UConn going against uh, Miami, and then you got San Diego State at FAU. And somehow, somehow, there were 37 people who picked that final four. I don't believe it. That's crazy. I got two of them, though. I got two of them. I'm, I'm sure that out of all those 37, they all go to one of those schools. Yeah. It's probably my <laughs> Like, FAU. No, I'm sorry. They all go to either FAU or they go to San Diego State. Because <laughs> the other two, you could you could figure out how they got there. Yeah. But those two, you, That's they crazy. go to those. And, and can you imagine if it's a FAU versus Miami final four? Oh. Like, final, like. The answer you know, the NCAA cannot want that, right? <laughs> like, they just cannot. You cannot want that. They were saying, uh, I heard, like, they, they played, like, two years ago in, like, a, uh, uh, it's, a, it's not a preseason game, but, like, you know, one of them crap games that you play before you get to uh, conference play. And, uh, like, there was, like, 2,000 people that showed up two years ago to see that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think these schools, uh, University of Miami and FAU, are literally like 40 minutes apart, 30 minutes apart. Um, yeah, so- you know what's – damn. So you were talking about like money and bro, I was talking about just danger because it's too Florida. <laughs> and, and the finals in in Houston, right, is in Texas. So like, yeah. Yeah. Jesus, to two Florida teams and fans traveling to the place where it's probably the easiest to get guns. This is not going to be. No, it's not. It's not there. We need for the sake of, of everybody. We need San Diego state and Yukon, right? That's what we need. (laughs) Just for, just for safety wise. And the college basketball world, (laughs) please keep Miami and Florida Atlantic out of this. Yo, I also got a I got a stat for you. Who, Who is the leading assist leader? Um, for San Diego State University. Ever? All time? All time. Can you think of one person? You, you know one person that went to San Diego State. Yeah. I only know two people that have ever gone to San Diego State. 
and one of them is Kawhi Leonard, uh-huh. who I can see being maybe the rebound leader. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Leader. So I'm going to go with the other clearer option in this, which is Tony Gwynn. Yes, Tony. absolutely. How did you know that? What? It's Tony Gwynn? It's Tony Gwynn. It really is Tony Gwynn? It oh, really is Tony Gwynn. Gwynn. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's cool. amazing. Basketball? Apparently, because he's the assist leader for San Diego State. I didn't, yo, I was completely joking. That's hilarious. <laughs> Holy shit. I was like, this but, guy. But really... the man, yo, I love Tony Gwynn. For reals. For reals. Tony Gwynn is the man. Holy shit. I did not know that. That was, incredible. I, man. Why do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why do you know it? I know why I knew. I heard it on ESPN the other day. I don't know why you know that. <laughs> yo, you know, actually, this is a really good This is a story of me and you growing up. So we went to that, um, that all-star weekend uh-huh. as kid in Arlington. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but Tony Gwynn was like the one guy, the one like star that was at the like Saturday. Yeah, he, like, I remember him walking by. He was giving us like a seminar. Yeah. He was talking, hitting. Yeah. And I just remember being like, yo, this, and this is like the baseball nerd in me, right? Because nobody out of all the all-star lineup, nobody wants to see Tony Gwynn. And I was just like, yo, this might be the greatest hitter of, of all time. time. Yeah, absolutely. It, um, I was just talking about him in the barbershop a few weeks ago. Just That's like, I was just talking to him right now, waiting for my drinks. <laughs> this guy, yes. this old man showed up and he had an Astros uh, hat on. And I was like, you know, in Idaho, we're like, we see each other far away. He's like, you got an Oiler hat? And then it's like, you got an Astros hat? And <laughs> And we started talking, and then we started talking about hitting, and, and Tony Gwynn came up. That's crazy. Yeah, that's it. See, so Tony Gwynn, man, like Tony Gwynn. I remember the, the thing that came up when I was talking to the barbershop was just that, like, when the that lockout year happened, Tony Gwynn was going to hit for four hundred that year, and I think he ended the season at like three ninety six when they went on strike. And I just remember being like, "Damn, they ruined." the fact that this guy was going to end the season at like 400 and he was just teetering back and forth above 400 and below it. He was like 395 and he'd be like 402. And like, and I just remember being like really excited because I was again, the baseball nerd in me. And it was actually only because of the fact that we had seen him at that thing. So damn, shout out to Tony Gwynn. Shout out to Tony Gwynn. Stat 338 uh, career batting average. 3,100 hits, 1,100 RBIs. Like, this dude, it, it, he's got to be the best hitter of all time. Ted Williams and Tony Gwynn. Yeah, Ted Williams, who still, I think Ted Williams has his uh, head frozen in Arizona or something. And then got like his whole body frozen somewhere. Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> It, what you you have a problem with that? What's the problem? What are, what are you what are you bringing up? What's the, what's the issue? The, that, okay, bro, listen. You don't all, have that plan. I'm gonna have my body. Okay, frozen they have cracked his head like ten times. In this, oh, crack. I gotta. Re- yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Damn. they got ready like a couple years ago. Like they they messed up. Like they they they've cracked. He's got like ten cracks in his head, and I think Jeez. is it just his head or or his whole body? I think it's just his head. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I actually really don't know what they. I know that they froze some part of him, and it's yeah, you're right. It's either his head or his whole body. I think it might be just his head. But goddamn, what kind of bootleg ass company <laughs> is gonna go through the process of like freezing your head and then they'll be like, 
Oh, my bad, bro. It was, a, it was the janitor, bro. You know, it was the janitor just like <laughs> sweeping. Amazon doing that shit. <laughs> He's got his headphones on. He's sweeping and shit. Fucking, you know, jamming out. Boop. Oh, shit. <laughs> I loved it the way you're moving. You turned. I know what you were picturing. You turned the custodian into like a Latino. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, for sure. He was all oh, he's in his fifties. He's like just jamming out to some Mark Anthony, you know, and he just like bam, whoop, and just he did a twirl and hit dead wins and was like, oh shit. He's <laughs> <laughs> looking for the super glue. <laughs> uh anyways, back on subject, bro, like uh Final Four, check yeah, it out. Mean- Check it out this weekend. It'll be a busy weekend. It's WrestleMania weekend, bro. WrestleMania is this. What's that? I think I know your pick for the women. What's the? What is it for the women? Yeah, South Carolina for the women, and I think it's gonna be UConn for the 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 something that UConn did against Gonzaga has to be the most impressive win by a team in the tournament. And Gonzaga Gonzaga was a a three seed. And they I, they beat them like 20, 30 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a beatdown. I don't know how how much I ever trust Gonzaga. Never, never trust Gonzaga. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for the I I I wouldn't put money on them, but I'm rooting actually for Miami. Oh yeah, Miami's just run is so so. Uh, so interesting, and they've beaten some like really tough teams. Yeah, they, they've like, had the hardest uh, to get yeah, up to here, right? Like San Diego State probably got the easiest, um, but uh, Miami, yeah, they had to go through Houston, and they like against that Houston team. They Miami pretty much was like leading that whole game, right? And then for them to come back, make that comeback against Texas, which hurt my heart. Yeah, they show a lot of poise. They're you know they just don't seem like. They care where they're ranked, right? Yeah. Like they're just playing as hard as they can. So my, Miami's my pick, and and I do think that South Carolina is. I think they're just going to dominate. But like they always yeah. do, and they're they're just that team right now. Like they're the they're the new juggernaut. Yeah, I think it it'll be, it might be an all SEC final in the women's. I think LSU might might pull it out. Um, but I mean, shout out again as far as the men's basketball season goes. Like NIL deals, bro. Like. I think this is what we got to look forward to now, as far as as far as basketball going, because all these teams, bro, they you know wherever the money's at, these players are gonna go, right? Yeah, and and I I know I mean, uh, I, mean I know Jim Beheim complained about Miami earlier in the year. They're like, well, they bought that team, and it was like, yeah, yeah, they can now, right? Like business now, yeah, that's the yeah. game. It's the game. And yeah, Right, and I think he probably retired because he was like, "Ain't nobody coming from me. Like nobody's coming out here now to like be coached by me." Yeah, like, and I, you don't got the money to compete. So, but I think I mean I like I mean the players getting played, but not only that, but like the players got a reason to come back to basketball, right? They have to come back to like unless you're a superstar, or like you're not. You know you're you're gonna go out to the to the draft, but if you're not a superstar, you don't think like you're gonna get picked in the top ten. You know why not go back and get a couple milli, you know, and, and yeah. play another season in, in college, right? And so I think it also programs a chance to not 
be stuck in like what you're talking about, like with just getting guys in that one and done system, right? Like right. you can get guys that are you know are going to stay for three years, maybe even mm-hmm. if they don't stay for four, and going to develop and grow and give your program a name. And and that might be like now the target that you recruit, right? Like you don't recruit now a freshman that's going to go in the league next year. I mean, like if you can get them, great. But if you're a program that's not there yet then you can now go after guys that are going to like develop in three years. And if you look at a guy and you're like, oh, he's not good next year, but when he's a junior, he's going to be the man right? because he's competing up against one-and-done freshmen. These are the guys we're going to recruit, and now you actually can have true recruiting classes versus just picking a lot of like future NBA players. Yeah, and I think that's why you see uh, some programs that, that are used to being up top and being you know the Dukes and the North Carolinas. You know, they're just used to getting these top players and then we're just going to ride that talent. And now they're struggling. They don't know how they haven't adjusted uh, yep. very well to, to getting uh, these top tier players uh, playing, you know, without these guys. And so they are struggling. In the meantime, FAU, I think FAU is the only team like they don't have anybody on the NIL deal. And so like. Yeah, they don't. I mean, they just—they're a small school. They don't—they didn't give anybody any money. They're just here. I mean, they're gonna have to now, right? Or or these guys are are gonna hit the transfer portal. Uh, Very true. Yeah. Right. These yeah. Guys, these guys. So, I didn't even think about that, and that's a really great point, right? Is that like this is you end up getting recruited as like for a stepping stone, and to move on to another school, bigger school that can offer you the money, and that's 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 not good for basketball. That's not good for those programs. <laughs> Shout out to Rocky, <laughs> the underdog of all underdogs. <laughs> there you go. That's I'm sure that's what those players feel like, right? Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and leave that in. I'm gonna go ahead and leave that in. It was a perfect. <laughs> we talk about FAU as an underdog, but uh, yeah, I mean, just thinking about like the coaches are doing it right, like already. The, the the coach from uh, the team out of New Jersey that that made it a little bit of a run it was a, it was fairly or something like that the 16 seed oh f- uh, Furman nah it wasn't Furman I think it was fairly fairly something might be right yeah 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 I think it's fairly anyway that coach has already dipped right he he made his run <laughs> and he. He's gone. He's already going to Iona because uh, Paterno is now going up to going up to your area. He's at St. John's now. Yeah, huge, huge news. Yo, because Paterno's that dude. Like Paterno, I, I call him Paterno. If he can like, did like, you say Paterno? I did say Paterno. I like that. I felt like that was wrong. Dang. Yeah, Paterno. No, no, none of that. None of that is St. John's. I mean, I mean, it's controversy on on the on whole Patino stuff. Like, should he be coaching anymore? He's got a lot of agreed. I mean, agree. My 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 take is that he should be canceled. He's not. He's changing programs, and should St. John's University have picked them as a caveat? Of course not. Yeah. Of course, but bro, like but, it doesn't matter. Do the University of Texas coach, former coach Chris Beard? Do you know this story? Is this the domestic case? Yeah, beat the shit out of his girlfriend. Okay, he gets fired from 
from UT midseason, as he should. All right, so shout out to UT for doing the right thing. And the right thing. No, well, they. We beat the shit out of his girlfriend. Okay. Um, and then uh, he gets fired, and not fucking two months later, Ole Miss picks him up. Now he's coach. He's gonna coach Ole Miss like he didn't lose a beat. That's that's the South. <laughs> yeah, NCAA basketball. That's the South, and that's America. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, and that's where we're at. And unfortunately, bro, let's go ahead. I mean, we might as well talk. We're talking about America now. We might as well swing over to conversation that we uh, unfortunately have to have again. Um, we we've only we've been doing this uh, podcast. Uh, for just a year now and unfortunately we've had to talk gun violence and mass shootings a bunch of times clearly multiple but you know the the fact that we have to keep talking about it on this when we're like originally like a sports podcast and it's interesting the ways in which like uh, the things that happen around us force us to have to talk about these things and like not ignore them but this i mean it's like so much to say and i also kind of like i'm like i don't have any clue what to say anymore again because it's kind of the same issues right like you have assault rifles that are used in this situation in nashville and now you have all the same things coming up again things around mental illness obviously and also just that there is not enough database authority cooperation to like really get in the way of this happening in the future. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, like after this one, and again, we're, of course we're talking about the, uh, the school shooting that happened up in Nashville, um, this, uh, this past week, um, three kids died, three, uh, adults died. Um, this person went into the school. Um, I mean, the school did everything that that it could do, right? Had the doors were locked, right? Now, like Uvalde, you know, and and the cops did what they were supposed to do, right? They came in right away. Again, not like Uvalde. Uh, they came in as soon as they got there and, and took down. But when you got two AR-15s and you had a handgun, like. You can't, like, it's too quick, right? People are going to die right away. Absolutely right. right. You can have the fastest response. Which, shout out to, to, to Nashville PD. You know, they, they had a quick response. They got there. They didn't waste no time. And it still took 15 minutes, right, from the first call until they went down. And in those 15 minutes, you know, three kids had to die. And uh, it's just like I, I've lost all my hope for like this getting better, right? Especially when you listen to the uh, the government in in Tennessee itself, right? Where this just happened, you listen to them, and it's just like. They're like, you know, what are you going to do about it? What can you do? You know, we still love our guns. And, like, it's disgusting to me. It's just disgusting. Like, you obviously, uh, 
don't care that kids are dying. Yeah, I don't I don't know that any large group of politicians are moving in the direction of really correcting this. This is a, a audio clip from uh, Representative Tim Burchett, a Republican from Tennessee, um, on on school shootings. Three precious little kids lost their lives, and I believe three adults, I believe, is, and um, and the shooter, of course, lost their life too. So it's it's a horrible, horrible situation, and we're not going to fix it. Criminals are going to be criminals. My daddy fought in the Second World War, fought in the Pacific, fought the Japanese, and he told me, he said, buddy, he said, if somebody wants to take you out and doesn't mind losing their life, there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do about it. <laughs> and. What do you say to that, right? Like, this person has the power to write laws, and it makes me feel that, like, hearing just this guy use that as an example after something like this is, like, can you actually write laws? Like, you might actually not know how to do what you're supposed to be doing, right? Like, you might actually be in a job that you don't know what to do in that role. And and I think that that's the reality that most people come to when we face things like this in society and then we see that people who are in power don't do anything to swiftly move things along to stop things from happening this way um and then that's right those are the places where people go where then you start to feel like hopeless or you feel like this is not right this is not enough people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing you start losing a little bit of faith in humanity or, or particularly government i shouldn't say humanity but i, I don't necessarily I think these are places where people of color and also people that like care about these topics need to just start running for office, right? Like flooding elections and trying to find ways to like just build small grassroots campaigns to run for office and just do what you can in the time you're there. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. It's it's like I live, I've lived in, in Nebraska, I've lived in Texas. I live in Idaho, and you live in these places like you. They're not going to change that here, right? There's no way. Idaho wants to be Florida so bad, right? And they just follow DeSantis's uh, leadership over here, and so like these people, sixty percent of Idahoans uh, own a gun. Right, I think we're third in the nation of gun ownership. And first in the nation is, is the state right above us in Montana. And second in the nation is the the state to the east of us in Wyoming. All right. Can you say what people are called in Idaho again? Idahoans? Idahoans. That, that sounds like somebody that you're mad at, right? Like, a, <laughs> I, like you just, like, it's like a F you hidden in there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but like, what else? If we haven't changed it already, right? If 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 Sandy Hook didn't cause any change, right? If Parkland didn't cause any change, if Uvalde didn't cause any change, like Nashville is not gonna cause any change, right? Like it's yeah, it's almost like these numbers aren't big enough for people to like yeah. worry. It. Yeah, and you can, places that you just mentioned, and you can even tell by by like the news coverage, right? Like even like, 
I got the alert on my phone, right, that, that there was a mass shooting in Nashville. And I immediately went to the TV, and they still, they weren't covering yet. And I was like, we're talking about Donald Trump. And, and I was like, what was there a mass shooting or not? Like, I don't, my phone lied to me. And then uh, probably about an hour later, they started covering, right? And then, like, even, like... If you like the numbers aren't high enough for for these news organizations to care, they're really not. Yeah. Right. And so, but here, let me get in 2023. Okay. And mind you, we're still in March. 130 mass shootings, 13 school shootings, 193 deaths, and 493 uh, people shot. And we're just in March. All right. Last year, uh, we had the most school shootings in the history of America with 46. We're already at 13 this year. Yeah, we're, we're on the pace to break that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, there are 20 million, 20 million AR-15s in this country. 20, Jesus. 20 million AR-15s in this country. 13.7 of those are manufactured here in America uh, and been sold since the, the Newtown Massacre. And then, and then here's what it all comes down to. That is $11 billion in revenue off AR-15s. You said billion? Billion. How much is an AR-15? I, I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't know, but like, and then here's another crazy number, right? $2,000. Since Columbine, 338,000 students have experienced gun violence at school. Just at just at school, 338,000 students have been affected by gun violence. And it is so like it. It pisses me off because it's like it is so easy to fix. Other countries have fixed it, no problem. And it took one to two mass shootings. And they're like, oh no, got to get rid of these guns. Yeah, I mean, it, that's because you know people are doing again doing their jobs and know how to do their jobs in those places, particularly when it comes to these. And also, I think like the public doesn't stand for it, right? But there's also, like, a thread to, like, the decency in those, like, places, the culture of other places that are, like, this cannot continue. And there's so much of a, like, is our country too big? And, and, and then just saying that out loud, it makes me think of, like, secessionists, like, people, like, that either live in Texas or in the South that are, like, we should be different countries. But the idea that, like, there are, this really is in many places very different countries, right? Like, you're talking about where you live in Idaho is very different than you would be on any of the coast. We know the South is its own thing. There's just so many different lifestyles and state cultures that exist and regional cultures that exist that somewhere along the line, those things got blurred and guns were able to make their way within. That is the thread for us. Like guns are the thread in America. Yeah, I mean the, I mean, and we and we talked about this before already on this show. 
the the people hiding behind the Second Amendment, right? And this is what our country is, you know, based off of and all that stuff. And then, like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, and and I even, like, even the Second Amendment, I I know, like, deep down, like, you know it's ridiculous, right? Because you know... Because it's create like fight like a, a a government that is trying to control all of the population, right? And trying to like come and but therein lies the argument of them like don't can't take my guns because that's a sign that you're just trying to take over. And in reality, it's like there are levels to this, and people are ignoring it. And also, you're not developing a, like a militia. Right, but you get gun licenses in countries. I mean, in states across this country, where you can essentially buy enough guns to be your own militia, and then that's what we're running into, right? With then assault rifles as well. You have enough firepower that would be equivalent to multiple people, and then you're using this in these like crazy. And actually, I'm gonna pull that word. Not crazy in these moments of really major major mental health breakdowns where people are not themselves or not at the place where they obviously one should own a gun or operate a gun but two are really not in a place where they're safe in society not only not safe to others but they are not safe to themselves and i think those that's the deeper level that people really want to ignore in order to then also still save guns is that we're not going to ignore that people are fucked up across our country. We're going to just like say that these two things are completely opposite of each other and that these mentally ill people are not mentally ill. Like we just heard that audio clip and he was like, these are bad people, right? Like they want to hurt you. And it's like, these are not like bad people. These are not like another country at war. Right. These are people that are sick and should not have access to these things. And it's too easy to have access to them. I mean, this person who did this, uh, the shooting was, was diagnosed right it was seeing a therapist was diagnosed of having mental health problems and then was just freely able to go buy seven freaking ars right freely right and and this is again there's a law obama had in place right and then donald trump came into office and you know took that took that law down where mental health people can go just go you know people are having uh mental problems diagnosed mental problems can just still go buy a gun right and so the the again going back to the amendment like the the amendment people like they trip me out because they know like first amendment freedom of speech second amendment right to bear arms uh, there's a fifth one I know where I don't got to say nothing, and then I, the, you know, I don't know what the other amendments are. They can go to hell, right? They're like, if you're an amendment person, be an amendment person. What, what's yeah. the fourth amendment? All right, what's the eighth amendment? Are you worried about that? No. And also, just like, there are so many laws that are being passed right now. Uh by the Republican side of, you know, state to state. We talked, you know, DeSantis and Florida of so many laws that are like 
um, we need to protect the children from uh, drag queens and drag shows. And yeah. we need to protect, you know, these unborn children through abortion. And we're really concerned about children and, and uh, you know, transsexuals and all this stuff. And what about the children? What about the children? And the leading death of children is guns. But we got, we, well, we can't do anything about that, right? We can't do anything about that. Right. Yeah, there, there's so much, you know. There's so many ways to like step in and be able to immediately alter the course of history, save lives in the future. It, it feels almost like, um, what, what is that Tom Cruise movie um, where he can, like, they can see into the future and then they can stop crimes before they happen? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, they've got like the three. There's a three. Uh, the three girls in the pool of water. Uh, Minority Report. Yes. Yes. Bam. You beat me, googling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Minority Report. Yes, and like those. Uh, those three, um, like visionaries, essentially. Right. They they utilize to like stop crimes, and it, and it's like you have this power to like stop crimes from happening in the future by being able to write really common sense, basic laws based off of the lessons learned from the tragedies that have been numbered that you just called out, right? You could do this. It's very simple. It, this is essentially like a school assignment, right? It's cause and effect. Like, how do you stop the thing that just happened over and over and over and just like put this together and, and make sure it doesn't happen again. And you just mentioned it, right? Like a, Eleven billion dollars, like nobody. This is America. Ain't nobody gonna get in the way of that, right. right? Like that is going to be the thing that is the most important across the board. Nobody's gonna stop that. You you brought up the the mental health stuff and the, the idea of like, um, like what are red flag laws, right? That like empowers law enforcement um, to take weapons from people who are like who deal with like mental illness or like concern from like their relatives and. This is coming from like an NPR article from uh, Emily Olson. That in in Tennessee, it says police can take someone's gun if the court deems the person mentally incompetent, if the individual is judicially committed to a mental mental institution, or if the person is placed under conservatorship. Right. So, like, there is these things fully in place, and yet what it came down to. This is my point earlier, right? That there's not systems in place that are efficient enough. And that basically when they asked, um, like authorities, right? Like that when they were questioned by reporters, basically that the police would have tried to get those weapons was the response. Try would have tried to get those weapons. Had they received the report that, that Hale was either suicidal or threatening to kill somebody. And so this idea that like, there are mentally ill people, these laws are in place. There's a system for it, and yet the system is not effective or efficient enough to be communicating back and forth, right? And granted, I'll give the excuse that, like, there's too many people to cover, but there really isn't if you update these systems and you make this a priority. Like, this is, again, also America. You're telling me that you can't find some tech company that wants that contract to be able to create these systems to make sure that any person who's mentally ill 
is now reported to police so that we make sure that they don't have guns. Like you could do that. Yeah. That's a very basic way of going about it right there. But again, like it's not going to happen in the state of Tennessee in the state of Tennessee where the governor's Christmas card is him and his family carrying AR 15s and sending them out. That's his Christmas card. Okay. Him, his wife, his son, his daughter, all just seeing around the Christmas tree with AR 15s. And that is a governor in the state of Tennessee, right? It's also a state of Tennessee where literally on Thursday they were protecting the children by by uh, signing a bill. Was I think what's the senator named uh, Little Senator Little who was affected by the shooting? Uh, apparently the the teacher uh, was a close friend. The teacher that died was a close friend of his wife, and they were planning on having uh, dinner the next night. Um. Senator Little signed into uh, signed a bill on the Thursday before the shooting to protect the children from drag shows and ban drag shows from happening. Right. And he did so well. He did so well with that bill of protecting children that a mass shooting happens in his backyard and his friend and his wife's friend were affected by it. Right. Paying attention to the wrong things. Exactly. And it's just. Just or like human incapability to like just keep fucking up. Is right. it like we just pay to the wrong thing? And just every and it's the same same crap spilled out every time that they get asked about what are you gonna do about gun violence? They go and they hit the the point. They hit their their Republican point. Well, we've got you know they for some always always for some reason when they get asked about uh, gun control, they pivot to the border. Right, Tennessee senator is going to pivot to the border, and and we need to work on on the border. Guess what? That's it. Do you know that seventy percent of all crime, of of gun related crimes in Mexico, seventy percent of where do you think they get those guns from? America. Of course, we're the we're the number one trading partner for them. Yeah, they get their guns from us, and we're getting the drugs from them. It's a back and forth, right? Of course, and this is divide and conquer, right? It's like right. make you dependent on me financially by making sure that you're constantly in disarray, and that I'm contributing to you constantly being in chaos, so that you have to be relying on me forever. And that's you know this is some like real mobster gangster prison stuff that's happening right there, and and you know I think that like back to your point of this idea of distractions and going back into it because I I actually want to pivot into that and and actually acknowledge um, what's happening in the LGBTQIA plus community right like this week um, the highs and the lows of this week um, and I just found out about this myself. Uh, a few weeks ago, but March 31st is International Transgender Day of Visibility, right? There's 1.6 million trans youth, that's ages 13 and up, and adults across the United States, right? And these are, this is coming from the Human Rights Campaign. It's um, on their website. It says, we are parents and family members. We are your coworkers, your neighbors, and your friends. We are a diverse community representing all racial and ethnic backgrounds, as well as all faith and traditions. If you just take that one little part 
cousin, right? Like that shit right there, primo. That that right there sounds like so America. That sounds to me like what it is to be an American is to be like whoever that person is and what they're doing in their personal lives. As long as it doesn't harm people, we're all community. Like we're all supposed to just be like respectful of each other. And what's I'm crazy? Correct, I'm gonna correct you real quick, primo. That is what America is supposed to be. Yes. It's no, not exactly. what America is. It's what America what I, is. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Is that what I said it was? Yeah, you said this is what America is. We were sold on, right? At least that's what I believed as a kid, right? And it, like, this is what it means to be an American. I think that that's the idea that we try to think that we are. And that's what we sell to the rest of the world. And in reality, we know that, like, what it is. And because just in this alone, right, in looking at this, um, just today, earlier today, um, the state of Kentucky passed a transgender, I don't know how, how else to, to call it, but like essentially a ban, right? Where they're making sure that in schools, uh, you are not to be able to refer to students by their selected pronouns, a first major, right? Like that's a, the at the beginning, basically giving the right to particular right wing adults who are working in schools to tell kids what they are, as opposed to letting kids determine who they want to be in the world. Which is not just a threat to LGBTQIA plus community members, but it's a threat to education, right? Because it's a threat to the idea. That what we always believe or what we're sold to, again, another idea is that you can be anything you want to be. And in reality, they're not even allowing kids to define who they really are, like let alone then dream and become something else. Like you're not even able to say like, this is who I am, which, again, is why I brought up in the first place. Like visibility is like they're essentially being told to be invisible. And that, again, is also just a major threat to being an American. Yeah, the the idea of uh, of this country being a country of freedom is just in the past five years, I would say, has just gone down the toilet. Like, you are not free in this country unless, uh, you know, honestly, unless you're a, a straight white male. That's just it's what, it's what it feels like, right? Sort of feels like I mean, uh, this country has already attacked women's rights. This country has already attacked LGBTQ rights. This country continues to attack uh, African Americans, Latinos. Um, we've all been we've all been attacked, and it's not even like none of our rights been attacked, but like we had to. I don't say earn is the right, but like. In this country, right, the white male is the only uh, the only person in this country that didn't have a law that needed to be passed to make us equal, right? Yo, yeah, Jesus, right? The, Great fucking point. I think that what you just said is probably the greatest point that has ever been made in this podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate like, that. It. Is insane. <laughs> But it's true, like the white male never needed a, a bill to be passed, a law to be passed for equality, right? Women have had to have uh, things for equality, African-Americans, obviously, uh, Latinos, 
um, you know, we, we had to pass a law to let L- LGBTQ be able to get married. Like, it's just. And so now those rights that 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 we've had are, are starting to get taken away. And, uh, you know, we're just going backwards, obviously. And it's it's I know I, I feel like right now, like I'm I'm I, I can hear myself talk and hear the tone like I feel I'm hopeless right now, unfortunately. And again, this is a country that that I fought for, right? Like this is a country that I went to war for for quote unquote freedom. Um and and it's it's disappointing. Like I'm so and we, we talked about last week on how like I didn't cheer for USA and underlining ways of why i wasn't cheering for usa and i think you know this has a lot to do with it bro like this is just i'm so disappointed in this country right i'm so just another what's that i said that that you you realize like in living here and and things that like happen in our country that when you look at those international competitions team usa is just another team right right and it's, it's just hard it's hard to be proud of this country right now it is hard i also i also want to say this because i I also don't want this to come off as like we're just like hating on a country that we live in right because we obviously reap the benefits of all of the freedoms that are available to us even though what you just mentioned where there's like plenty of things working against us or holding us back and that really only serve a particular group of people is that these like criticisms are because of the idea of what we've been sold on and that we constantly are told America is like we demand and want more, not because we're complaining, but because we're part of a group that has had to earn everything. And when people argue like, Oh, you didn't have to earn things. You're given these things through federal programs. And it's like, yeah, the only reason that that is, is because that's the closest thing to reparations that there has ever existed. Right. That shit is not like law for like equality. That's because there's plenty enough people that knew like, yo, we fucked up for long enough. Like we got to give people something. Right. Like we got to make these people close to make them believe that they're as close to equal to white men as possible in order to make sure that there is not chaos. And like one of my favorite images in the Trump era was that one major black group that went fully armed and marched and scared the shit out of the entire <laughs> yeah like i was like yo oh, there it is like now see it from the other side and recognize number one it's not scary because they're black and it's not always scary because they're white it's scary because this is a group of people with mad guns and you don't know what these motherfuckers are going to do, right? It's about the guns. And then number two is that when it is white people, it's terrifying because of the history of this country. But the only reason that it would ever be scary when it's a group of black men is not because of like black crime and the history of black crime. It's that you know that this shit been coming. And that's also rooted in the history of our country. But these criticisms are... My main point was that these criticisms come from places of like wanting and believing that this country can be more and that we deserve more than what we're having right now. And that ultimately for the children, right? The children deserve more. Like yes. Our kids of our country, kids of this nation deserve much better than what we've provided and created. Like we've created a very dangerous place for generations to come. Yeah. And I think, again, that's, 
I guess my disappointment and, and hopelessness is kind of geared towards my children because as I see it declining in my eyes, like, like I can't imagine when, in 10 years when they're older, right? How's it going to be? How's it going to be for their children at this time? I mean, they're already, we're, we're talking about stuff that, that this government is, is doing already just to LGBTQ rights, but I mean, the stuff that they're taking away from history books the banning of the books. We can no longer, what is it, in Florida. Um, I was talking to, to my wife yesterday about it. The Rosa Parks story, right? And how they teach that now is they don't want to put race in it. They don't want to put color in it. In it. Uh, Rosa Parks just had a disagreement of where she should be sitting down. And uh, that is why... Uh, you know, she was told to move to the back of the bus. It was just a minor disagreement. Right. They don't want to say what. Yeah. The seating range. She didn't like the seating arrangements on the bus. And, but they, they you know, you can't say why. Like, you can't say because she was black. She was supposed to sit in the back. No, that's not what they're going to teach you in Florida anymore. And like I said, Idaho is, is, is going right there. And that's like, like I, I know I've hit you up during the week and I appreciate it. Like, Stuff like like I feel a responsibility now, and, and it kind of drives my kids nuts a little bit. But we we've got to learn some history, and we got to learn the right history, uh, because I know what they're not going to be teaching at school here, right? I know how yeah. they're going to teach it, and so I, the 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 explanation that I have for for my daughter is: look, you need what they're teaching you. You need to learn it for the test purposes, right? Because you need yeah. to pass a test. Yikes. Uh, but it's not factual, right? Uh, well, and think about just like how much standardized tests are built to reinforce particular cultural ideas in those states, right? Like standardized tests don't, like we know at this point that they don't serve a deep purpose for someone's potential or learning. But what they do is they make sure that teachers, schools, and the little kids are being programmed to believe and think certain things. And that system is a really, like, I mean, that's essentially what you do to brainwash, right? Like, that's that's what that is. Yeah, and, and so, I, I think exactly, like, the, especially going to DeSantis and, and the stuff that he's doing in Florida is a direct reflection of, uh, this past election and the youth movement in this past election when they thought the Republicans had a red wave and, uh, and they thought and DeSantis, you know, being a, a, a much better version of Donald Trump as far as knowing how to manipulate these situations is realizing that. And he was like, well, I need to, you know, get them while they're young and take this stuff out of the history book because they don't need to know exactly what the truth is. And so let's start brainwashing these kids so we keep this youth movement on our side because the youth now are starting starting to see it's the same thing. Look, the, it's the dictator playbook. Well, look, the, the the Congress going after TikTok this past this past week, right? And again, another thing. What about the children, right? Doing we're doing all this stuff about you know kids kids use this TikTok and they they talk to each other in TikTok and they learn from TikTok, right? And I think that's part of the part of the the movement um, that got you know a lot a lot of these uh, you know people on the left uh, elected is was through TikTok, right? 
Um, because yeah, they, so- they're so worried about it, like the data and stuff. Like Facebook is a lot worse, and they've been proven and been sued on and had to be like factual that the data that that Facebook sold your data to a company overseas, right? That's just factual. They've been sued on it. They've settled out of court. You know, and they, and they're putting it on the idea that it's like the Chinese. Right, that's all they're saying. This is TikTok, data, Chinese. That's it. Oh my goodness! The fear, the fear mongering of like, all of it's bad. Right. It's not American. Get rid of it. And meanwhile, what we know is Zuckerberg is working with the government. Exactly. Exactly. It's just ah, uh, it it is so bad. And then like, it's so hard again. Talking going back to schools, like it's so hard. Like now, I feel responsibility of like, what are you learning in history today? Like it's an everyday question, right? Like we we have now to you go. Got to. Yeah, you got to because she like and we talked about this offline. It's like they were going over uh, Sacagawea um, recently, and uh, Sacagawea is a big part of history here because uh, her original tribe is is literally right here at Twin Falls where I live, uh, the Shoshone tribe. Um, so I was like, okay, well, tell me what you learn, right? And she learns. She can not like she was did this and did this, and and but she was like the one thing that they they didn't really express and retell her is you know uh, that she got sold to her husband right uh, at the age of like thirteen to like this forty year old male right they're just like oh yeah well her and her husband you know gladly went over with Lewis and Clark. To an expedition, and I was like, "No, <laughs> like that." That's also part of the American history, political history, particularly Republican Party mood, like right. pedophilia, underage, like yeah, that, absolutely. And, and he, again, uh, frowned upon. Yeah, it's not like, and so like me as a parent, not only do I have to like send my kids to a school where uh, we have an armed guard now, right, at the elementary school. Uh, some security, not even not even a police officer. Like is, is this like private security or is this is a, a native of the town? That's <laughs> it's pretty much. It's a security team from the town, right? It's like... I imagine like a guy with like camel shorts and like a strap on his like, on his calf. And like and I, w- I want you to imagine that dude that you're imagining, but he's got like a company T-shirt on and khakis. Nice. <laughs> Same guy. That T-shirt changes all. I've got. There, a- there's two dudes, right? There's one guy who looks like 19 years old, weighs 100 pounds, and's got like 30 pimples on his face, right? And then <laughs> I feel like he he would have like the gun with like the strap around his like neck, and it's like pulling him down. Yeah, he's like, just like he leans to one side that the gun is on. And then the other guy who I caught sleeping one time is is like a sixty year old white dude, just like hands on. Was that down? Was that? Is he sitting down? Yeah, he's sitting, he's sitting down in the front, and he was just <laughs> hands on his belly, you know, folded on his belly, like knocked out. And I was like, oh, this is the guy. These are these are the two guys protecting my kids. That's cool, yeah. right? Supposedly, and then like oh, I didn't even know. I want to say it was about a month ago that we had a scare here of an active shooter at the high school. Um, 
and I probably went, we probably went like an hour from realizing that it wasn't an active shooter. And like, I, I was already, I was, I didn't even have, it was at the high school, it was up here, about not even a mile away from my house. And, uh, you know, I can, I, just that one hour, I was already pacing back and forth, worried, you know, kids that, that live in this neighborhood, you know, that I know, are they okay? I got, you know, some of my friends out here, I know they got kids over there. Yeah, again, to be a neighbor. Right, right. Like, right. About, like, your fellow neighbors. Yeah, and, you know, just worried, and I can imagine, uh, you know, the the hour that they went through of not knowing, and then, like, it was just some, like, I guess, I don't know, it was a prank, because it happened, like, at six or seven schools in the state of Idaho at the same time, like, somebody called in a... Uh, an active yeah. duty, an active shooter threat, and then like so, all that to just say, like, and like, how much is that? The possibility of like somebody young and dumb pranking the system, and then how much of that is some calculated moves to keep people in fear and make sure that guns can freely flow throughout the state. Not only that, like I, me, the military side of me, it's like. I'm wondering was that to see what the reaction was, right? To learn, okay, this is what they're going to do. This is the response time. This is, you know. Oh, you mean they, like infiltration? These guys are like. Yeah, like that, that's what I took it out. That, like I said, that's what, you know, they called in these false alarms and they're just looking. Okay, this is where they're going to come in from. This is where they're going to do. Do this. This is where they're going to hunt. This is, you know. And so. Um, it's just really hard going all the way back. We took a, a long way around it. It's just so hard to be a parent right now. And it's like defeating. Like, I don't know what to do to protect my child. And I don't know what to do um, to teach my child. Right? And that, I mean, thank God for you. Like, you, you're, I, I, I talk to you all the time saying, you're like, what should I be teaching them? What should, you know, who should I be? Uh, because it's hard. Like I know, because of these laws and because of these, uh, you know, they're not going to get the education that they're that they deserve. But then where, yeah. like, and then like people are telling me, well, why don't you just move? Like, go where? Like where? Like Texas isn't better, right? No, my yeah, whole, Texas is not better. They're also in the form of of Idaho. I mean, of Idaho and Florida, right? Uh, my wife is from Nebraska. That's not any better. Like, I don't, it's it's defeating. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I mean, now you're saying it's like, yeah, like, where do you go? Like, where can you really go in this country that is going to provide quality education from, like, K through 12 that doesn't require you to pay a ridiculous amount to some sort of elite private school? Right? Like, why is this just not? regular schooling i think a lot of that too is really just the fact that it's it is the idea to divide people into classes and have some people who control other people and that can have funds and money and resources and you keep another group of people in the unknown yeah it's funny the the guy that that we played earlier that was interviewed and, and said, you know, well, there's nothing we can do. He compared, uh, he compared the schools to World War II, <laughs> right? 
Uh, in that same interview, he was asked, you know, well, how do you protect your children? Right? Like, how do you protect? And he's like, oh, well, we homeschool my kids. And it was like, you, like you're just knocking them all out of the park here, bro. Like, you're just... Oh, we have the privilege of homeschooling our kids. I'm like, oh, it must be nice having that privilege. There, buddy. You just... And, and here's where we're at. Like, they're not going... If if people cared about other people's kids, then, uh, you know, if you really cared about other people's kids, then we would not... Then having gun reform would be already set. Well, that wraps up this week's show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Y'all make sure to like, comment, or review today's episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's Puro Pinche Primos. You can find us on all major podcast platforms or Google Puro Pinche Primos for our website on Captivate FM. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. Peace. Peace.